Welcome to Mystic Initiations, a podcast hosted by priestesses Lady Decana and Lady Aridia. Together we will explore all things mystical, magical, and mysterious. So grab yourself a drink, get comfortable, and follow us as we delve into the world of the unknown. Hello and welcome everybody back to Mystic Initiations. I am Lady Decana. And I am Lady Aridia. We are your hosts for the evening and today we have a special guest with us. Uh, Her name is Heather Jacobs and she is the High Priestess of the Religious Order of Witchcraft and she is also a trauma therapist. So let's get into it. Um, Why don't you start off? Welcome Heather. (laughs) Start off by telling us a little bit about yourself and how you got started on your path. Well, good afternoon. Thanks for having me. I'm honored to be a part of your podcast. Thank you for coming. Uh, right now, I'm actually living in Connecticut. I was born and I'm from California. So I was raised with a lot of holistic approaches uh, to life and living I, my grandmother actually saw a uh, tarot person and also had her palm read probably once a year, starting in the 1950s. So that was just kind of always in my realm of awareness. And she would do uh, acupuncture. And so all those things were kind of normal to me. Uh, Moving to Connecticut, all those things were extremely abnormal, as well as... (laughs) you know, not wearing shoes and liking to be barefoot and, you know, talking to animals and things like that was very, very strange for everybody here. Um, As far as my path, you know, I'm sure it's like everybody else's. It's all very uh, winding and twisty and spirally and which goes along right with any sacred energy. Nothing's linear. Mm Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> that is true. We go like all over the nothing. Exactly. <laughs> nothing linear. Absolutely. I know our I know our human mind would love everything to be linear, right? That's really clean and you know, a start point and end point and things like that. And and that's fun to, to pretend and think about and but it's really never gonna work out that way and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Well um, they Ann Dillard she said how did Ann say it? God makes Beautiful pictures with crooked lines. There you go. I really love that. I've never heard that. I like that. And so, uh, you know, honestly, it's always a classic question, you know, like what what came first and how'd you start and, you know, what opened the door, various forms of that question. And uh, I always say when I look back, I, I realized that, the uh, witchcraft, the healer, the, all those energies were always in me, you know, and always around in my life. And, and I always played those out in various ways. And I, and I just don't think I labeled it that way or was aware of it until later in life. Mm-hmm. You know, I always, um, some people still shy away from the term witch or witchcraft and, you know, that's fine. And I always laugh and I say, well, do you blow your candles out at your birthday? Because that's candle magic. Mm-hmm. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. so most of us have been practicing that since we were That's true. very, very young. Um, but for me, I would say that my healing and holistic path, as far as formal training and seeking, 
started pretty young. I was 17. I found myself uh, unexpectedly pregnant, even though I was on birth control and everything else. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was over three months. And so that decision was already pretty clear about what road it was going to be. And of course, uh, my son ended up being my savior more than anything. Right. But I can really remember clearly, clearly recalling wow, okay, so I'm 17 and I'm in high school and I really better figure out how to be a good human, right? How this life really works, how everything works because mm-hmm. now I have to teach an entire another human that. Yeah. And that really wasn't on my radar before, right? I was just mm-hmm. going to school and, you know, sports sure. and activities and this and that and yay, I got my driver's license <laughs> and all of a sudden I was responsible for another human being. And it was really profound and I can clearly recall. And so I really just started to research and read books and pretty limited internet back then, right? We had yeah. the old school dial-up, which was super fun. <laughs> yeah. Oh, AOL. It was fun back then. Come on, it really was. It took 20 minutes to door- to download oh, any good porn. Back then, the chat rooms were the thing. That was before social media. You had oh, chat rooms. Uh, yeah. I was a chat room a holic. Yes, aggressive. Okay. Okay, we might want to examine that at some point, you know, <laughs> take a look at those uh, experiences. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, so I really just started researching everything, uh, you know, anything from uh, psychology, which I kind of always had a, a fascination with, right? How mm-hmm. the human mind works, how, how this human experiences work, why we make the decisions we do, why we suffer like we do, how to shift that. <laughs> um even holistic things, right? What What's good for your health and your mind and your body and soul and all levels. Um, and that really just took off in its own direction. That was always a personal passion of mine. And it took me to different religions and, and how different, you know, traveling abroad and, how, and studying how other people lived and how they thought about things or viewed things, right? Because that is our, our reality. Our thoughts are our our reality yeah and right so i was really fascinated in that and then looking back i realized that really that was kind of a search of alchemy Mm -hmm. you know how can we make one thing into another right within ourselves and then that shows up in the world right our world um although i have to say and i remember my parents were a little uneasy you know not not necessarily uncomfortable but a little uneasy I actually, my first tarot deck was Crowley's. Mm -hmm. And Uh of course, back then it would have been. Rider weight. Yeah, it would have been the early, would have been like the early 80s. And so back then. Oh, there was like, there was very little. Publicized. uh, There were so few options. (laughs) Right, right. And back then. I still, I still use my rider weight. I do too. It is so accurate. It is. I have. I made an agreement with my spirit guide that I would never change a card, no matter how much I love everybody. <laughs> I will just, I will just be honest with the deck yes. and it has never failed me. Yes. And that's 30 years. Yeah. Yeah. That's wonderful. It's a, it's amazing the relationships that we can build with our tools. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, and so, you know, and then back then, of course, anything, my mother is an avid reader, uh, you know, she actually had a double degree in English and religion. 
And so the only knowledge that she had of Crowley was the, of course, the, the negative connotations that were related to him, despite him being uh, extremely spiritual and actually uh, yogic in many of his thought processes. Yeah, all the misinformation that's still out there. <laughs> yeah. You know, oh, he was a Satanist oh, and read, a double worshiper. It's like, no, he was a little crazy, but he wasn't. The beast, the beast incarnate. They called him the beast. Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. And the truth is always yep. somewhere oh, yeah. in the middle, isn't it? I mean, if you think about it. I sure. mean, he did do he some horrible things, being. but generally speaking, I mean, he wasn't this monster they portray him to be, but he enjoyed yeah. it. I read. He enjoyed. I being... read his works from. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I said he enjoyed it. They, you know, he didn't care that they called him. Well, his mother, I think it started with his mother would call him the beast. And it kind of was something that, he, okay. you know, people called him and he didn't care, you know. Well, yeah. I read his works that he wrote from Cairo in, in 1904. Mm -hmm. He predicts the 20th century, nails it. Mm -hmm. Oh my God, you, you dig into that. He literally describes the next hundred years to a T. Yeah, yeah. So he definitely was connected. And, and you know, he had, he, he had the dark and the light. And that's As we the all reality. Do. We all yeah. have our moments that's right yeah <laughs> and you can't have one without the other right it's not right. possible exactly and the more that we embrace and understand both the more we find balance um and that's a huge part of my work my personal work and even work with other people mm -hmm. right um because that's kind of where the trauma goes um i actually started out so the whole trauma therapy uh, i do extensive holistic modalities and things like that i had actually been diagnosed with an autoimmune and it took most of my life um i started suffering from it when i was in junior high or maybe even actually the end of elementary school and I probably it took till my 40s to get diagnosed properly so really swift in the medical wow. system yes <laughs> um but so throughout that time i had the reason i actually researched holistic modalities for uh, physical healing was because I was sick so often and nobody could give me answers. So obviously there's really nothing to support it. So I learned all these different things and cupping and auricular therapy and energy work. And again, you know, led me back to kind of the universal laws and how the thoughts are the basis of emotions and emotions trigger shifts in our body. And, and understanding that everything is vibration and that you can shift it by just shifting that. Mm -hmm. So it was a That's big, so complicated, uh, you know, very studious intellectual journey just to really come back to the heart and the simplistic things, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but how about this though? Isn't it interesting that it's our demons that drive us um, to deeper knowledge? Yes. In other words, you know, I've had all kinds of serious struggles and I am a survivor and I just love my life yeah. and I walk in the light, but I'm telling you, I came out of a very dark place. Yeah. And, um, so I would not be who I am had it not been the darkness. hundred percent. It drove me to read and dig <laughs> and explore and take spiritual risk. Yeah. I mean, as, as a decana knows, for years, I stood in my magic circle with my sword conjuring beings. I mean, I became yeah. quite the black magician yeah. in my uh, quest for healing. Yeah. You know, I went to dark places. So, and I'm glad I did. I'm glad I'm back. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, you know, and I tell people it is your shadow will teach you more than anything, right? The light is fabulous and it's great to bask in and, and live in and all those things. And, but it is the darkness that teaches you. It's the shadow that teaches you. And that is where Beautiful. your true magic and healing lies. That is where you find the true light. Mm-hmm. Only in beautiful. the shadows. Mm-hmm. Only in the shadows. Well, enlighten me. Both of you are um, members of Rue, yes. Religious Order of Witchcraft. And I am not. So for all of us <laughs> who were not a part of that <laughs> discipline, uh, tell us a little bit about that journey. Well, first of okay. all, just so you know, I'm not in Rue anymore. I just practice, you know, right. solitary. I was in Rue for quite a few years, but yes. um, for me, I just kind of found it. This was back when they had Witchbox, the website, mm-hmm. remember? I remember that. I was on Witchbox. Yeah. <laughs> Great. <laughs> and I found it on there because our uh, the high priestess, Katina, she... <laughs> Um, she had, you know, she's from New Orleans and of course they had a uh, hurricane Katrina pushed, you know, a lot of people out mm-hmm. she ended up in Connecticut and she had an advertisement <laughs> for students. And I hadn't been in the group in a long time. Um, but I always wanted that traditional training. So I had contacted her and long story short, I trained as a witch and then as a priestess and I was in Rue for quite a few years it's um it's a great path and I think you will get I don't regret any of it because I learned a lot there's a lot you'll learn in Rue that you won't learn anywhere else having said that after a while after I moved to Montana married my husband and all that I was kind of in a place where I felt conflicted because I love Rue and I love what it gave me, but I was at a place in my life where I really didn't want to be part of, like, I still practice Rue foundational rituals, mm-hmm. but I prefer, like right now I'm working with, you know, Odin and uh, the Norse deities and learning rune mm-hmm. magic and work. And mm-hmm. I, I just kind of was at a place where I needed to move on, if you know what I mean, mm-hmm. and sure. start working I with do. my sure. intuition and with the guides been... and angels that were directing me in a different, moving me in a different direction, if that makes sense. Perfect. Yeah. Absolutely. But how about you, Heather? Absolutely. Um, I had come into it uh, similarly. It was actually one of Katina's uh, initiates, a priestess, and that I had worked with actually uh, introduced me to Reiki. And so that's how I ended up getting introduced to the formal uh, education of Rue. And, and it's interesting. And so uh, I love that you share your experience with Rue and actually specifically the, at some point where you feel, not that you've outgrown it per se, but that you just have individual things that need to be explored more. Mm-hmm. And so that's, what I experienced as well for myself, I took over, you know, the order a number of years ago and we're really revamping how people can show up in the order because that's what we were finding. We were finding that while we love the tradition and the uh, really strictness, it's a very comprehensive 
program, the neophyte training, it's a year and a day. It's, it's very intensive. It's very laborious. Um, it's very ceremonial <laughs> magic. Think Golden Dawn. We'll see that. Think uh, Aleister Crowley. Very ceremonial. Right. And oh, it's I, very strict. That's yes. And today's, today's world is just not set up for that, <clears throat> I don't think. Right. And so well, we you know, it actually took me years and years of digging and I traveled and I interviewed people and as with really any type of witchcraft and then on top of it, New Orleans, mm -hmm. very difficult to get clear answers, right? Oh yeah. I love oh, New yes. I love They love their stories. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's so, the best two years I'll never Oh, remember. you lived in New Orleans? Yeah, I was about to say never remember. <laughs> God, it was just... Woo! It's yeah. such a quarter, it's such an amazing and come back place. Home it's such a the next day. It, yeah, it, the you're talking about the deep south Louisiana and New yeah. Orleans is its own place within that framework. It's its own There's thing. so much diversity. Yeah. You know, people go to yeah. church on Sunday, voodoo on Tuesday, witchcraft on Thursday. You bet. <laughs> you bet. They you meld bet. it all together. You bet. I know. I love New Orleans. And, oh, that, and that was the thing, you know, so Rue was actually legally chartered in New Orleans on mm -hmm. Candlemas in 1972, which is February. And so by all records, it indicates that it's actually the first church of witchcraft in the United States to become legalized, legally recognized. Mm, nice. And so interestingly, uh, there were predecessors. Uh, Onita was the founder and she maintain control of that you know until she passed in 81 in her early 50s she was actually pretty young but some of the predecessors had really added their own desires into it mm -hmm. and it took yeah. me a long time to really untangle that and really come I back bet. to you know onita was really fascinating she you know in the in the in the 1970s she was giving lectures of witchcraft to ladies auxiliaries you know, things that you wouldn't think would cross those lines whatsoever. Yeah. You know, she was selling, you know, her famous, they call it the Red Book, you know, Magic High and Low, which she published in 75. And that was in bookstores and that was on her shelves, but it was also used for students. Um, you definitely, it's not an easy book. <laughs> you definitely have to have pretty uh, high knowledge of things to really understand it. And I, I found out that she was actually really fluid. I learned in a very regimented way, but Onita was very fluid. She didn't have syllabuses and she didn't do handouts. And a lot of her stuff was, one of her biggest teachings was that if she allowed you access to read her personal magic library of books that were all annotated. Mm -hmm. And her level of understanding of these things really did remind wow. me of Crowley. It was mm -hmm. very scientific like doctorate level of these understandings mm -hmm. uh you know very, even even aspects that good. i still try to grasp truth be told <laughs> yeah so i am so that's what we're shifting to we're shifting to the the new platform that we're creating is to still have you know a structured syllabus for neophytes for the year and the day for foundation but it also really focuses not as much Right, like you said, the ceremonial magic, because that is the high and low, right? The high magic, the low magic. I personally resonate with low magic. That's just my, I'm very, you know, elemental, I'm very intuitive. And for me, while I 
very much enjoy them, very high ceremonial uh, magic rituals can actually take me out of that intuitive flow and that energy. Mm-hmm. And really magic just comes down to intention and that's, and that's it. You know, I, I don't well, care if you're using a single matchstick or, or no tools, right? So whatever gets somebody into that place, it, but we want to teach people, you know, the laws of the universe and, and the quantum mysticism and the Kabbalistic ways and the meditation and the yogic practices, which Crowley actually did. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't realize. Oh, that was, I know he did. Yeah, that was a huge part of him. And um, so we're bringing those traditional things back and then we're also going to have we also want to offer it virtual right everybody is living in a virtual world that has to be available to people Mm -hmm. and so once people finish the neophyte we want to have a platform that can encourage and help and guide people to cultivate their own personal magic so historically it would just be neophyte after you know time practice proving chosen right all those things you could then possibly enter into the priest or priesthood programs that were quite lengthy years and and that was still a very regimented and what i found was people didn't have the space to cultivate their personal magic mm-hmm. and the whole point for us is we want people to learn how to live a life of magic. Mm. I don't want this to be something that you do on a, well, I shouldn't say, it doesn't matter to me how you use it, but a lot of people, it's just, okay, the moon's coming, let me do something, or a Sabbath's here, let me do something, <laughs> right? Which is great, which is great, and, and that's fabulous, and that's okay also. I want everything to be okay, mm-hmm. but I also want people sure. to understand how they can easily, fluidly, daily, live a life of magic mm-hmm. and that's right. really our focus that's, that's so important i mean i do i'm such a hedge witch you have yeah. no idea <laughs> i have a hundred plants here i've got a big herb garden i've yes. got um, chickens i'm getting ducks i i mean i am so and i work at i don't have to work because i'm fully retired but i work at lawn and garden at walmart yeah. just five mm-hmm. fours I'm in the dirt. I'm in the roots. I'm Absolutely. trimming and deadheading mm-hmm. and drying my flower petals for Hecate and all this stuff. I love it. But Hecate. Hecate. <laughs> I, love I have her, her key. So much. I know. And she's she's she gave she's given me like 20 keys the last two years, yeah. I have found. They just have showed up in my life everywhere. Yeah. It's gotten to be comedic. But then on the other side. If I need to, my ceremonial sword is right up there and I can drop my nine foot circle and my thermatic triangle. Absolutely. And I when you can, need it, use uh, it when you need it. But it doesn't have to be a set school. way every single time. Right. That's what I, when Absolutely. I was a black magician for 12 years, I really got way over the top into the, this is what you yes. do. This is the angel of the hour. This is the phase of the moon. Yeah. You better dress yeah. in the planetary colors and drink the tea, honey. Yeah, I right, mean. right. <laughs> Absolutely. And, yeah. and there's people that really, really resonate with that. And they're so gifted at it, right? Those, those weeks and days and hours of the preparation and the three-hour long ceremonies, I mean, they are in their element and they love it. 
and I want that space for them as well. I just, I found myself, I think like you shared, I think a lot of people have experienced that I found myself really, all of a sudden I didn't feel that magic anymore because now I'm, I'm, you know, dragging myself to ceremonies that I didn't resonate with and I'm creating things that feel overwhelming and exhausting. And, and I, and it just dawned on me. I was like, whoa, whoa, wait, this is, this is all wrong. This is all wrong. You know, this is just going through the motions. And that is the complete opposite of, of anything related, right, to witchcraft or magic. And, and so that was the biggest shift. Um, and so now we're moving forward with creating the online content and the virtual schooling. And, but honestly, for years, truth be told, it was stagnant because there was such a, a, a like a pause button. There was a push and pull of, you know, what's the tradition? And it took me years to really, really dig and get some clarity on on how Rue really operated with Onita. Yeah. And that's the problem. It took a lot, a lot of time to untangle that stuff and, and a lot of sure. you know, meditations and communications with her for, you know, to make sure that I am honoring her because she is the founder. Oh, that's nice. She is the that's founder cool. and that's extremely important to the, me. The um the problem, and so we got some clarity on it, so we feel well, better. The problem, I think, well, first of all, we didn't we didn't know a whole lot about Onita. We mm-hmm. know a little bit, you know. Uh, Russell had taken over after she passed away. Um, yes, and he passed down some information, but he was actually really reluctant to do that. Yes, um, because he didn't want it to be about the founder. He wanted it to be about the work because he didn't want people yeah. to get like obsessed with Oni because in New Orleans, she's very well, they know who she is. She's very well known out there. Yeah. Kind of like the Lori Cabot of Salem type of deal. Yeah. You know, I knew, I knew of her down oh, there. Yeah. Know, I was always going but to see, I, I, I heard the name. The problem. I didn't, but I didn't understand the. Well, the problem is that. Yeah. There's a lot of, like we said, stories. So a lot of it's not yes. true. Um, right. there are aspects about her life that we do know about, but we don't share outside of the order just mm-hmm. a, because it's nobody's business. B <laughs> it's also a way for us to know if someone's BSing because a lot of people will claim yes. to have been I, friends with sure. her or part of the order when they weren't. So it kind of acts right. as a little bit of a gate. I hate saying the word gatekeeping, but that's really what it is. Um, I've, I myself have only gained little bits and pieces when I was in the order trying to figure out like, we don't even know who taught her. Now I know she was friends with Israel Lagarde. They wrote to each other. So. Mm-hmm. Oh, see, I did all She's... those things, all the middle pillar, the garden. Oh, yeah. So they knew each other, all but over. they had yes. never met yes. each other. She was also huge, uh, really big into Aleister Crowley. So anything that way, she's mm-hmm. possible. She could have belonged yeah. to one of his orders through like back in the day, everything was mail order, uh, you know, yep, through the sure. mail. So it's possible. She got that. I do have a book that someone had given me back in the day when I was in the order, it's a Masonic Bible. It's huge. Mm-hmm. Um, she had found it in her father's closet after he died. And it has, flyers from the 70s with mm-hmm. Onita advertising her book it has yep. the original at the oh, time it was cool. 1975 it has the um um the the uh 
bylaws, if you will, that existed at that time. Um, mm -hmm. And I yep. did notice through looking yep. through some of the flyers, and it also has her writing in there because she, this must have been something she gave initiates because she has a date and her name spelled out, it has the official mm -hmm. seal of the order and everything right seal. on it. So I think it was something that she had given to the initiate that ended up back with us. But she, yeah. it said there was one piece in an article where it said that she had trained with someone named Clifford Bias who was a okay. spiritualist in huh. New York. So I know that she got some stuff from him. How much of it? I don't know. I'm under my personal feeling is that while it's a witchcraft order, it operated as a magical order as opposed to your typical coven and her definition. Right. No, it sounds her definition like of it. the word, witch, which is in her book is a woman mm -hmm. who practices magic. Yes. So it's a little bit broader than today, what we would think of as a witch per se. Right. Right. There's different types of magic. Yeah. And, and like I said, it took me quite a while. I've been able to get uh, several copies of things from her shop and things that she had sent out mm -hmm. uh, letters that she had written back and forth when uh, at a time later time in her life, uh, I was able to locate uh, an error. And so that really filled in a lot of the pieces. Mm hmm. Uh, but, you know, but even then in typical New Orleans fashion, right, there's still a lot of um, mystery, <laughs> a folklore, I should yeah. say. It's almost like folklore. Nobody and, and even admittedly, right, family and extended family, whether it's by marriage and things like that. And um, it, it's interesting, um, but I think it just kind of lends itself to exactly who she seemed to be. Right. Well, it's also so continues to be for a lot of people. It's also important to kind of put out there, though, while she had a large family i mean extended family um my understanding and this is just my understanding from what i was told by russell and katina is that her family didn't really have anything to do with her when she was practicing her magic when she was at the height of her witchcraft stuff so i don't know how much they know about her magic per se about her witchcraft well, it, uh, personally, they, they didn't want to hang out. With it was her. a very different time. It was the seventies. It wasn't. I mean, oh, you look I know, back in the eighties, right. you see like, remember the old talk shows? They have witches on, and then they would have like priests yes. on to debate yes. you, oh, like I it know. was like they knew anything about witchcraft, yes. right? So I think, yeah, you're right. It was a very different time. They than um, it is now. You know, according to them, there were no issues with her practicing the witchcraft. There were many rifts in the family for other reasons yeah um which isn't well, our business you know but i mean it's not that's not new for for most you know most People. families have some type of riff or issue right. or you know whatever it is um yeah but you know a, a lot of siblings and several marriages and you know adopted kids and kids and you know etc and, and so it's a hot mess it's a hot you mess know, i mean it's just and because of the and because mess, of like I you mean, said the folklore the, a high priest who knew her doesn't tell us a whole lot. So there's so much. There's stuff that we yeah. know, and then there's a lot of stuff we don't know. And I think that's yeah. just for the best. Well, let me, because maybe that's just the way it's supposed to be. Let me ask this just for the audience like me that don't know anything about it. Now, I, mean, I know more now. Okay, at the end of the day, um, what what wonderful or amazing or deep thing has the gods done in your life because you're walking this path of rue i mean 
So where are you at right now in 2023? And uh, as former or current practitioners of Rue? Who, me? For, for me, um, <laughs> uh, for me, it is, and I think a lot of people are experiencing this, right? For, for numerous, you know, there's kind of a universal shift that we're all experiencing and have been. Love it. Um, you know, that should continue to, you know, spring um, early 2024 next year. But for me, there's just, there's just such alignment between who I am and how I show up. And there's such a comfort in that, you know, I don't, I don't have these, these different pieces that I don't acknowledge. Like there's such a full integration that I have a clarity of myself, my purpose, what I wanted to be able to provide and, and share with people. And, and that's, yeah. yeah, that's just been integration, really self integration. <laughs> so powerful. No, I mean, when you're somebody like me, and you got all kinds of stuff that nobody, you know, that shouldn't be in the basket, according to most people, and it all is, and then you finally yeah. get them all to sit down yeah. and relax. It's amazing that yeah. your soul just things but so it's a it takes a while. You know, it I mean, does. And it's really like, time. you know, it's peeling an onion. And, and I think that's also been one of my interests of so many different paths, right? You know, becoming um, a yogi. And I've been training in Kabbalah with a teacher for several years now and practicing witchcraft and studying uh, quantum physics and all the, you know, trauma, all I these know, different things, that. right? And it ends up being like an onion. You know, I, I, I'm... I'm never shocked when I have another, right? Like breakdown to breakthrough type thing where you're like, wow, I thought, thought we healed that, right. but here we are. <laughs> yep. Right. Right. All things eventually become one they thing. Do. That's the age of the, of Aquarius yeah. that all the water streams are going back into the yes. original Voss. Yes. And so gender, spirituality, yes. vocation, um, family, all going back into the you one see all thing. of it shifting right it's beautiful it's amazing it is. But it's beautiful and, and i don't you know i don't need the difficulties um right but that's the only way change happens nobody changes until right. they're so uncomfortable that they have to yeah that's right true. that's just how it right works. you and you have to be flexible yes if you get too rigid you'll break well, not all you, trees make it through the tornado. i was gonna say you <laughs> want to be like bam, you want to be like bamboo you want to be like bamboo yeah yeah, you do. Exactly. You want to be able to bend, but you don't want to So break, how about you, Dakana? Yeah, right. What about you? Kind of what have you taken away from your amazing journey through Rue and back as a solitaire somewhere in a mysterious location <laughs> in the Pacific Northwest? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, to be honest, I did need the discipline. I'll be honest. Because uh, yeah. I've always been kind of like, it's easy for me to get busy doing something else and not doing your ritual. And I think that's why mm -hmm. I still practice the foundational ritual of opening and closing every day. It's just so that I keep that daily practice. But when it comes to my actual magical work, I've been working a lot. Uh, Odin's been in my face for a while now. So, and you nice. know, with Odin, you can't really 
he comes and goes. Let's just put it that way. But when he comes, he has something to say. So I'm like, all right. So I've been learning a lot um, about the Norse side of things, learning runes, connecting again uh, with my angels and my spirit guides. So it's kind of like I've tried to find like a way to just kind of balance and blend the two. You know yeah. what I mean? But I could never. So what's be the old just man in the hat have to say to you? Huh? <laughs> what's the old man in a hat have to say to you? <laughs> oh God. Well, <laughs> I mean, I love him when he, you know, I don't work I just, directly with Odin too often, but I did for a while, but you know, he's still part. I mean, I'm a Viking. I yeah. Mean, yeah. I'm part of the he's, thing. He's so funny. Every, every now and then he shows, he's He'll, funny. He's the old man in he a hat. Is he is tough. He will test yes. you. Um, I did um, a scrying uh, session with my crystal, my new selenite crystal ball, which I love. And I got some good feedback from there. Um, basically, I just, I'm at a place in my life right now, personally, not spiritually, spiritually, I think I'm okay. Um, but like, just feeling overwhelmed, feeling like yeah. I'm taking on too much emotionally, just getting overwhelmed. And without going into the specifics of my, of what I saw, because that's kind of personal, basically, I just kind of get sure. the impression that he's like, okay, so you're feeling emotionally overwhelmed. You got all this going on. What you going to do about it? Because he isn't going to do it for you. That's Odin. Odin will never do right. it for you. <laughs> he'll, but that's he'll, so Odin. he'll give you clues of where to look and what to do, but he's not going to do the work for you. So basically, I think he's just telling me right now, you need to get off your butt. You need to do the work. I was going to say. Which also includes. He'll also just runes, put a And boot. that's kind of a pain, but we'll, you know. He'll, he'll <laughs> also just put a. Put a boot in your ass and send you out the door. I mean, yeah, <laughs> be like, no, yeah. Well, you know what? And we really battle is over we that. We really hill. don't learn anything, right? If people do things for us, or right. you know, if they if they drag us along, right? Right. It's that right. is that is ideally what we can hope for is that we receive, you know, kind of road signs that in a way that we can understand that we can follow that, right? It's kind of following the breadcrumbs. Mm -hmm. And it, of course, it's always our, our ego intellect. That's always going to want, I want, I want to see that whole staircase. Like here I am. I want to see the end. I want to see the staircase. Mm -hmm. That's just not how it works. Because if, here's the thing, if you can see the staircase, it's someone else's path because yeah. they already nice. laid it. Yep. And that's okay, right? Sometimes we follow other people's paths and we step off and on right. and things like that. And, you know, but, uh, but fear numbers. will keep us from everything that we really want. Yeah, it's true. true. All right, y'all. Well, this has been fun. <laughs> Thank it's you been so much. Great, uh, great having you here. Um, Thank nice you. finding out what's going on with Rue. I'm glad that it's starting to finally take on a new direction because yes. I think it's definitely yeah. needed. So. But thank you for coming. Absolutely, and uh, this is my great. pleasure. Well, this is a <laughs> this is a time of new direction. It is. So yeah, it is right. Yes. Anyway, yeah. Blessed be. Blessed be. And for all of you out there listening, if anybody else is a practitioner of Rue, we would love to hear mm -hmm. from you, yes. and we'd love to hear about your experience. So reach out to uh, to um, Lady Decana. And, or myself and we'll get back to you and we'll put you on air <laughs> <laughs> all right sounds good all right thank you everyone blessed, blessed be. be blessed be